Hello and welcome to the Combat and Classics podcast. I'm Brian Wilson in Dallas, Texas. I'm Lise Van Boxel at St. John's College in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I'm Jeff Black at St. John's College in Annapolis, Maryland. Today we're doing the short story, A Clean, Well-Lighted Place by Ernest Hemingway. I'm actually going to be reading the entirety of the story. It's pretty short. And then Lise is going to start us off with an opening question. So here it is, A Clean, Well-Lighted Place by Ernest Hemingway. It was very late and everyone had left the cafe except an old man who sat in the shadow the leaves of the tree made against the electric light. In the daytime, the street was dusty, but at night the dew settled the dust and the old man liked to sit late because he was deaf. And now at night it was quiet and he felt the difference. The two waiters inside the cafe knew that the old man was a little drunk. And while he was a good client, they knew that if he became too drunk, he would leave without paying. So they kept watch on him. Last week, he tried to commit suicide, one waiter said. Why? He was in despair. What about? Nothing. How do you know it was nothing? He has plenty of money. They sat together at a table that was close against the wall near the door of the cafe and looked at the terrace where the tables were all empty except where the old man sat in the shadow of the leaves of the tree that moved slightly in the wind. A girl and a soldier went by in the street. The streetlight shone on the brass number on his collar. The girl wore no head covering and hurried beside him. The guard will pick him up, one waiter said. What does it matter if he gets what he's after? He had better get off the street now. The guard will get him. They went by five minutes ago. The old man, sitting in the shadow, rapped on his saucer with his glass. The younger waiter went over to him. What do you want? The old man looked at him. Another brandy, he said. You'll be drunk, the waiter said. The old man looked at him. The waiter went away. He'll stay all night, he said to his colleague. I'm sleepy now. I never get into bed before three o'clock. He should have killed himself last week. The waiter took the brandy bottle and another saucer from the counter inside the cafe and marched out to the old man's table. He put down the saucer and poured the glass full of brandy. You should have killed yourself last week, he said to the deaf man. The old man motioned with his finger. A little more, he said. The waiter poured on into the glass so that the brandy slopped over and ran down the stem into the top saucer of the pile. Thank you, the old man said. The waiter took the bottle back inside the cafe. He sat down at the table with his colleague again. He's drunk now, he said. He's drunk every night. What did he want to kill himself for? How should I know? How did he do it? He hung himself with a rope. Who cut him down? His niece. Why did they do it? Fear for his soul. How much money has he got? He's got plenty. He must be 80 years old. Anyway, I should say he was 80. I wish he would go home. I never get to bed before 3 o'clock. What kind of hour is that to go to bed? He stays up because he likes it. He's lonely. I'm not lonely. I have a wife waiting in bed for me. He had a wife once too. A wife would be no good to him now. You can't tell. He might be better with a wife. His niece looks after him. You said she cut him down. I know. I wouldn't want to be that old. An old man is a nasty thing. Not always. This old man is clean. He drinks without spilling. Even now, drunk. Look at him. I don't want to look at him. I wish he would go home. He has no regard for those who must work. The old man looked from his glass across the square, then over at the waiter's. Another brandy, he said, pointing to his glass. The waiter, who was in a hurry, came over. 
Finished, he said, speaking with that omission of syntax stupid people employ when talking to drunken people or foreigners. No more tonight. Close now. Another, said the old man. No, finished. The waiter wiped the edge of the table with a towel and shook his head. The old man stood up, slowly counted the saucers, took a leather coin purse from his pocket and paid the drinks, leaving half a Posada tip. The waiter watched him go down the street, a very old man walking unsteadily but with dignity. Why didn't you let him stay and drink? The unhurried waiter asked. They were putting up the shutters. It is not half past two. I want to go home to bed. What is an hour? More to me than to him. An hour is the same. You talk like an old man yourself. He can buy a bottle and drink at home. It's not the same. No, it is not, agreed the waiter with a wife. He did not wish to be unjust. He was only in a hurry. And you, you have no fear of going home before your usual hour? Are you trying to insult me? No, hombre, only to make a joke. No, the waiter who was in a hurry said, rising from pulling down the metal shutters. I have confidence. I'm all confidence. You have youth, confidence, and a job, the old waiter said. You have everything. And what do you lack? Everything but work. You have everything I have. No, I've never had confidence, and I am not young. Come on, stop talking nonsense and lock up. I am of those who like to stay late at the cafe, the older waiter said, with all those who do not want to go to bed, with all those who need a light for the night. I want to go home and into bed. We are two different kinds, the older waiter said. He was now dressed to go home. It is not only a question of youth and confidence, although those things are very beautiful. Each night I am reluctant to close up because there may be someone who needs the cafe. Ombre, there are bodegas open all night long. You do not understand. This is a clean and pleasant cafe. It is well lighted. The light is very good, and also now there are shadows of the leaves. Good night, said the younger waiter. Good night, the other said. And turning off the electric light, he continued the conversation with himself. It was the light, of course, but it is necessary that the place be clean and pleasant. You do not want music. Certainly you do not want music. Nor can you stand before a bar with dignity, although that is all that is provided for these hours. What did he fear? It was not a fear or dread. It was a nothing that he knew too well. It was all a nothing, and a man has nothing too. It was only that, and light was all it needed, and a certain cleanness and order. Some lived in it and never felt it, but he knew it was all nada. Y pues nada. Y nada y pues nada. Ar nada, who art in nada. Nada be thy name. Thy kingdom nada. Thy will be nada. In nada as it is in nada. Give us this nada, our daily nada. And nadas are nada, as we nada are nadas, and nadas not into nada, but deliver us from nada. Pues nada. Hail nothing full of nothing. Nothing is with thee. He smiled and stood before a bar with a shining steam pressure coffee machine. What's yours? asked the barman. Nada. Otro loco mas, said the barman, and turned away. A little cup, said the waiter. The barman poured it for him. The light is very bright and pleasant, but the bar is unpolished, the waiter said. The bar looked at him, but did not answer. It was too late at night for conversation. You want another copita? the barman asked. No, thank you, said the waiter, and went out. He disliked bars and bodegas. A clean, well-lighted cafe was a very different thing. Now, without thinking further, 
He would go home to his room. He would lie in the bed, and finally, with daylight, he would go to sleep. After all, he said to himself, it's probably only insomnia. Many must have it. So that is a clean, well-lighted place, poorly performed by yours truly, Brian Wilson, written by Ernest Hemingway, directed by Jeff and Lise. Uh, (laughs) And Lise will now ask us our opening question and get us started. Okay, so I'm going to ask what may be the obvious question, but but for that reason, I think it is the one to ask, what is the importance of a clean, well-lighted place? And I think I would like to begin by... Uh, directing a little more than even I did with uh, Brian's wonderful reading <laughs> and and say, let's just have another look at that opening paragraph as a way into that question of the importance of a clean, well-lighted place. And in particular, um, I want to draw our attention to that first sentence. I think openings of great writers are always important um, since they could choose to begin in any any way. But I want you to notice how many clauses there are here. And it is not clear what the logical connection is between the clauses. So if we parse it out a little bit, I think we will start to get at least the material um, we might want to, uh, that's going to factor into an answer to the opening question. So I'm just going to reread it and notice the clauses. I think there is there are six if I'm counting correctly, but I'll try. I'll read it through now and you can count. It was very late and everyone had left the cafe except an old man who sat in the shadow who sat in the shadow the leaves of the tree made against the electric light. In the daytime the street was dusty, but at night the dew settled settled the dust and the old man liked to sit late because he was deaf, and now at night it was quiet, and he felt the difference. I guess it's actually the second question, but, you know. So we first have, in the daytime the street was dusty, but at night the dew settled, and the old man liked to sit late, because he was deaf. Now, that is not clear how that follows, right? (laughs) I get get that the street's dusty, I get that at night the the dew settles the dust, but I don't understand, or it's not immediately obvious what the conjunction and the old man like to sit late means, nor do I understand wh- how the explanation that follows because is to work, because he was deaf. And now at night it was quiet and he felt the difference. So yeah, anyway, it's, yeah. It, it's strange. I just uh, maybe have this one observation about the very end, which is that the old man seems to hear fairly well in the conversation. So his deafness um, and its connection to the quietness at night that he feels, I think doesn't strike me as, uh, what would I say, a literal deafness, right? Maybe there's a kind of background clamor that you get during the day that you feel, and at night it goes away. And Maybe there's something like the dew settling the dust, but happening in the realm of, of hearing as well. Does that make some sense? Well, there's some kind of like sensory anesthetization going on, right? I mean, he's trying to get drunk, not very successfully because he's been drinking heavily. He's drinking brandy, but he's not drunk according to the waiters. So he wants quiet, uh, even though he's deaf to some degree. And he wants to be drunk, but he's not really pulling it off. So there's some kind of desire to turn off the world in some way but he's not super successful at it. I guess, Brian, I don't, I don't want to 
I'm not sure that he, that he, that he's trying to turn off the world. Um, uh, I I also thought like Jeff that I'm I'm not convinced he's deaf, but I think the waiter thinks he's deaf. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, but I also take a bit of a bit of resentment or nastiness insofar as he does actually speak to the guy he thinks is deaf, which includes that horrible line about um, uh, foreigners and. Uh... And uh, what's the other group? Uh, how how you speak uh, kind of uh, loudly to them? Yeah, the emission of syntax stupid people employ when talking to drunk drunken people or foreigners. Yeah, I actually meant this. He he yeah. says to the guy who he thinks is deaf, "You should have killed yourself last week." Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So that's that's not. I mean, uh, why one would say that to somebody you think is deaf uh, is an interesting question. But I take it, Jeff, that I think you're right. I think. The dust that settles is the dust of the hustle and bustle of people running around in the day. But I also take the dust to be a reference to ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a way in which the the life represented by the swirling dust of the day is, I think, the life of human beings day to day. But um, he likes. We're told he likes to sit at night when the dew settles the dust, and he can feel the difference. Mm-hmm. So do you think that that's a contrast between, uh, say, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, in the sense of mortal busyness, say, the quick of the quick and the dead, and now at night he's somehow in uh, a setting that is um, more uh, related to eternity, more settled, more lasting? Is that the contrast you're driving at? Well, except eternity turns out to be a nothing, like the Lord's Prayer with, with uh, all the nadas plugged in there. Mm-hmm. So, so let me flag a couple of other things. So we have the soldier, the soldier and the hurrying girlfriend, um, or the girl. Uh, so we have a sort of uh, curfew, it looks like, and concern about whether or not these two people are going to get caught, um, which I think we should return to to fight, try to figure out in such a short story why it's there. But it looks to me like there are there are at least three major motions or movements in the piece. Um, uh, the first one, we see a difference between the two waiters, and it looks like uh, a couple of interrelated things, I suppose, but it looks like youth and old age or younger and older is the contrast. That's the salient contrast, and the younger guy is the one that's married. Mm-hmm. Um, it get the... It, then gets replaced for a distinction between hurried and unhurried. And it turns out that the younger one is, is the hurried one, as is the young woman. And the older waiter is the unhurried one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the third one is um, after the older, or I'm just going to say unhurried person, because I don't think unhurried and older necessarily go together. I, I do think uh, we're invited to think the old guy uh, drinking at the bar is is maybe a sort of a sad case, but then I think Hemingway undermines it. So let's just replace older and younger, or younger and older, with hurried and unhurried. When the unhurried one says, "Well, you have everything," um, and the hurried one says, "Well, I just have the same things as you," a third distinction comes in, right? And that is. Um, it's not only a question of youth and confidence, although those things are very beautiful. Each night, I am reluctant to close up because there may be someone who needs the cafe. Mm-hmm. So the third distinction that looks like the one that matters most to the story is some people don't understand 
that one needs a clean, well-lighted place, and some people do, and that's the distinction. And I take it the one that knows some people need such a place is also one who, who needs such a place himself, right? That's the unhurried waiter then looks for such a place. So uh, that's, I think, our place to begin to look for, to try and understand what, what the importance of this is for these people. And we're told, right, by the unhurried guy that the old man stays up because he likes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't think, I think we're led to believe he's drinking and he's sort of hiding away from something, but (laughs) I'm not sure that's right. Yeah. Well, can I, can I make a a first stab, maybe trying to follow up on this at um, the question of what light means? So in that passage um, where the distinction least that you just drew gets mentioned, right, between those who like to stay late at the cafe and those who don't, and then those who need a light and those who don't, the stress is on the well-lighted uh, portion of clean and well-lighted. And the first thing that occurs to me is that I don't think this light is meant to um, reproduce or to... Um, furnish again the light that's available during the daytime, right? It, it wouldn't make any sense to me if uh, the old man enjoyed the setting uh, because uh, the cafe just uh, bustled as much at, at night as it does during the day. Right. Um, the other thing that uh, struck me is in that very opening passage, um, the electric light makes shadows of leaves. In other words, it doesn't just produce light, but it produces contrast, so I wondered if there was a, a, a connection between um, the contrast and uh, some thought about the nothing. Uh, maybe you guys can help me out with this, but I think the two things go together somehow. The contrast between? Say the, uh, the lighted areas and the shadows cast by leaves, mm. right? It's quiet and things are distinguished from one another at night. Um, is that different from the nothing? I guess, Jeff, I, I'll go back to the point that you raised and let's uh, dig in a little bit. I think if one wants to be in a well-lighted room at night, so it's, as you point out, the artificiality of the light is important. Um, the, I think the contrast between sitting in your well-lit place with blackness outside, which is going to be in fact exaggerated by the fact that you're in this well-lit place, mm-hmm. um, is, is important. And also the fact that it's not simply natural, it's a, it's a creation, a human creation. Yeah. So yeah. I guess, and also the one would normally think of light as two other common symbols, right? Intellect, but maybe also light of the world, God. Mm-hmm. But the, the second one is undermined by, again, that nada plugged into all the subjects for the Lord's Prayer. Um, more than just the subjects, but also the subjects. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe that explains why he can smile at the end of that long sequence where he's undermining both the, um, the Lord's Prayer and the prayer to Mary by inserting nada into all of them, right? Because right. the nothingness doesn't lead him directly to despair. He knows that there's an alternative, something like uh, human illumination, right? A limited human illumination. Yeah. So I'm starting to get this as a, let's throw this out there. Um, I wonder whether this old man, uh, well, let me take out age since I don't think it's the salient thing at the end. The distinction that really matters between human beings is some people don't understand why one would need a clean, well-lighted place, and some people do. And those who do, 
for some reason, actually like having to face, maybe, maybe that's not exactly the way to phrase it, but as a starting point, they like facing the nothing, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have a fear or a dread of it, right? We're told, uh, just quote, it was not a fear or dread. It was a nothing they knew too well. It's almost like they want to go and sit with the nothing. Mm-hmm. That it was all a nothing and man was a nothing too, but somehow rather than running from this or hiding from it or trying to forget it, they want to face it. It seems also somewhat, I'm trying to figure out the the old man sitting outside, right? So he's either in a back patio or on a front, you know, curb um, or sidewalk patio. And he's sitting in the shade, quote unquote shade, the shadows from the electric light. So he's outside. The clean, well-lighted place is inside the cafe. Mm-hmm. But the old man is outside. So how does that relate to this kind of concept of nothingness and the fact that some people understand nothingness or maybe want to be close to nothingness and the fact that the clean, well-lighted place is actually inside the cafe? Well, would you accept this maybe, that he's sitting on the border, that that's the interesting spot for people like this who know the need, right? That he might... I don't know if this is pushing it too far, but we have a a night watch that we see go by, right? A guard that he might be a little bit like the guard. Uh, I guess we don't see them go by. We we, uh, hear that they did go by a little, about five minutes ago, they say. Maybe he's a little bit like that. And that part of the pleasure uh, of this kind of human being comes from sitting on the edge, maybe facing outward into the dark, but having the light behind you and something that you're standing for or protecting to some extent. Yeah, I think there's some kind of thing going on there, but it's, it's, I guess it's the, the competing concepts that I, w- I want to try to figure out is that we have the clean, well-lighted space within. We have the prayer to nothing that the waiter does within. So what is it that's without? Is it is it the darkness of the night that is also nothing that is outside of the cafe beyond the border of the old man? Um, you know, is it is it that you know border that that he's living on, and is it you know is it the fact that you know the old man almost died, and so he's on this boundary between you know the que- the clean, well lighted place of life and the nothingness beyond where these street lamps reach that you know was his potential death until his niece cut him down mm-hmm. yeah when you, oh, go ahead Lise. i was gonna say brian when when, when you say that or, and uh does that mean that there's something other than the nothing or does it amount to you no know, it's all nothing you get the well lighted room and that's nothing and you get the darkness and that's nothing I agree with Jeff that in some way, since he's sitting in a, an area that has shadows moving, that that might be a stand-in for the dust of human beings, that in a way, uh, we're, we're just an interaction between light and darkness as well, but both of those things are nothing. In other words, um, is there an alternative, or is, is there just knowing that there's nothing, and or being ignorant of it? Yeah, and I guess we haven't, uh, this is connected to that question, I guess we haven't uh, commented on what we think the meaning or the value of his suicide attempt is. I mean, the instinctual response, or maybe the first response, maybe this is just conventional, is to say, 
uh, what the waiters say more or less, uh, that he was in despair. Uh, and so it's a sign of failure. Um, I think at a certain age, uh, voluntarily taking your own life might make some sense. Uh, so uh, what, do, what do we think about the, about the suicide, right? Is he, uh, the old man, happy to be holding the station that he's holding, uh, facing the nothing, or is he unhappy about it? Or is the suicide a red herring? And, mm. it, and let me let me just flesh out why, why that's a question for me. Just like there are three motions in the play from uh, contrast between youth and old, old age to hurried and unhurried, and then the third one, that's the significant one that we're dwelling on now, that you either... Uh, know the meaning of a clean, well-lighted room, or you don't. I guess I would uh, I should, should invert those two to keep the parallel structure. Um, uh, but there's, we also see different accounts of what each person thinks um, makes a good life, or at least makes a life uh, that is uh, not worth leaving, if I could put it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, um, one is well, why did he kill himself? Uh, uh, he has plenty of money, as though so long as you have plenty of money, you would never have a reason to kill yourself. Mm -hmm. And the second move is, um, what is it? Something like you have a job. Uh, how does it go? Youth, confidence, and a job. You have everything. Yeah, <laughs> you have everything. Right. And then that gets swapped out for uh, what the, the thing that divides, makes life worth living or not, is, again, the... Or, um, it's not worth living or maybe it amounts to nothing if you're ignorant of the nothing mm -hmm. and it is worth living if you know the nothing, mm -hmm. which is an odd thing to say, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually interesting. The junction between the second and the third formulations is um, the older or unhurried waiter, if I'm right in putting those two together, denies that he ever had confidence and that he's young. So he does not, of course, deny that he has a job. But maybe his job is not the job that we think it is, right? Maybe he understands his job as something other than waiter, and maybe that job bears on the distinction that he introduces immediately, right? That he knows the value of a clean, well-lighted place and wants to provide it for others right. who also know its value. Right. And Jeff, to go back to something you touched on earlier, so the, again, the parallel structures, like position one, position two, is young, old, hurried, unhurried, not knowing the value the value of a clean, well-lighted place and knowing it, um, that if that parallel structure holds, then as you were suggesting earlier, it's the girl that's hurried and the soldier we, we don't hear anything about. But since she's hurried, I wonder whether we're supposed to infer he's unhurried, in which case he aligns with um, the one who knows the value of the clean, well-lighted place. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So you were suggesting earlier, maybe that's somehow part of the function that, uh, I don't know, you're sort of a protector of mm -hmm. the ones who uh, don't know the value of a clean, well-lighted place, or at least you, you're facing the nothing mm -hmm. like a warrior might in a way that the hurried people don't. Mm -hmm. yeah, the mention of the guard really did make me think of a city under siege, Right, some place where it's not uh, police who are taking care of order at night, but it's the military. Right, so there's some special law that's been uh, put in place such that the the soldiers are now responsible for security at night. Well, we were talking through the hypothesis that this is this takes place during the Spanish Civil War, mm. right? And so you you know if 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 we take that hypothesis to be true, then 
you know, you have these causes for something that are duking it out amongst a single people. Um, and that, you know, the, the unhurried waiter then says a prayer to nothing. Right. Yeah. And so maybe it's, you know, too many days filled in the cafe. Um, speaking of the, um, the causes, right. That these people are fighting for, uh, and that it's always for something and that the waiter is, you know, saying his prayer to nothing as a preference for something that rather than having a cause of something, he'd prefer a cause of nothing. Yeah, that's that's good. It struck me as a kind of replacement for the prayer that presumably would precede going to sleep, right? So uh, in normal cases, say the, the case where uh, human beings don't uh, uh, see the need for a clean, well-lighted place, at that point in the evening, they would say their prayers and go to bed. He says his altered prayer to the nothing uh, smiles and uh, goes to the bar, right? So it, it does seem like there's a pairing or a contrast there, too. That's good. Yeah. And I, I, one more thing to throw in. The, um, the, the man who is unhurried and who knows the value of a clean, well-lighted room notes that uh, he doesn't find the old man pathetic or disgusting or any of these things. And one of the reasons he cites was um, the old man's dignity, right? that he he's unhurried, but there's a dignity. Um, and that makes me think that this second type that sees the value of a clean, well-lighted room is kind of like a warrior insofar as in the face of the nothing, he can, he can know it, unlike most people, and rather than falling apart, finds a human dignity in seeing it fully and, and facing it and living in it. That makes some sense to me. I was going to push on clean in this fashion, and I think it might not uh, be exactly in the same direction, but it might also be wrong. So here was the line I was going to follow uh, regarding clean. One of the contrasts, uh, and it's just the passage you mentioned, Lise, is between uh, clean and nasty in the case of the old men, right? Old men are nasty, while this one is clean. And it does seem to be something like uh, possessing of self-control, uh, the other uh, strong contrast with clean is near the end at the bar. Uh, the bar is said to be well-lighted, but it's not said to be clean. And that seems to be connected with the fact that you have to stand there rather than sit. And so it might be that uh, there's something about um, cleanliness and being settled or being able to stay for a long time and uh, standing or having to leave quickly. Uh, so... Um, in this case, uh, I was wondering whether uh, clean might be somehow the opposite of mortal. So what Jeff was saying about the, the bar kind of, I think there's another facet to this, which is orderliness, right? There's chaos when you have a bunch of people sitting at a bar, right? And so it's a bodega. It's not as classy as this cafe, right? Because people need to have their seats. Uh, they need to have a clean space to drink. And everything needs to be more orderly. And so there's, I think, some somewhat that parallel again of, you know, hurried or unhurried, hurried or chaotic or orderly, between the idea of this cafe and the idea of like a bodega, where the old man can go to drink, but he doesn't want to. He wants to stay in the orderliness of the cafe, and he wants to stay on the border between the clean, well-lighted place and the darkness outside in the city. 
So I, I guess that's all to say, like, wh- I guess I'll just ask this, like, why, why is the old man at the cafe instead of a bodega? Can we tease out the difference? Because that might tease out a little bit more about his character and what he's doing. This won't go directly at that question, but the, but the former one about the clean, maybe I'll find a way in there while thinking about the bodega difference. For me, the most proximate reminder for the cleanliness um, or uncleanliness is the dust at the beginning. And we associated the dust not only with ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but maybe uh, human bustle during the day that, that is um, dampened down literally right by the dew at night. I wonder whether he wants a clean cafe um, for the same reasons he doesn't want music. That is, that the the dirt of it is actually supposed to signify distractions from the nothing, and he really wants to he, he wants to face and dwell with that nothing, um, and so cleanliness has a symbolic meaning, really, in addition to a literal one. Mm-hmm. That makes some sense to me, and maybe it helps also with the bodega uh, thought. Um, does this make sense? That um, and maybe maybe I just don't know my bodegas, but presumably they sell necessities there. And so one thing that would um, bring human beings to a bodega is the necessities of life. Right? You need milk. You need uh, vegetables or something like that. Um, whereas in the middle of the night at a cafe. Uh, people aren't being driven there as much by necessities. And if it is, in fact, the day-to-day necessities that distract us from our sense of the nothing and our ability to stand against it, then, uh, yes, you know, a bodega would be a more distracting place intrinsically, even at night, presumably. Yeah, there's a wants versus needs, right? Mm-hmm. The, the bodega can take care of your needs, but doesn't satisfy your wants as well as the cafe. Because there's no there's no Maslow's hierarchy of needs that you know includes a cafe, mm-hmm. you know includes a brandy at the end of the night on a dark patio, you know in the midst of a civil war. Mm-hmm. So there's something drawing him to that space in this time, uh, and that's you know keeping him from death to a certain degree. You know why doesn't he go home and try to kill himself again? You know he's decided not to do that, and he's decided to sit outside by himself with an obnoxious waiter and enjoy a brandy. Just add one thing that might help with this. Um, so picking up on Jeff's suggestion that the bodega, yeah, the, the, the necessities that it provides um, are akin to the dust of the day, right? And the dirtiness that they, they're just distractions from the fact that, um, that we are nothing. The last two or three sentences um, about this human being say he would lie in the bed and finally with daylight he would go to sleep after all he said to himself it's probably only insomnia many must have it so i i'm inclined to take the insomnia there also symbolically that um he's he is wide awake or completely clear-sighted about nothingness right and so he's he um I don't know that whether it's fair to say many must have it, but he's he's happy to sleep during the day, but not at night when he can face the nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, can I press you a little bit on this? Is this um, a decline for him from his nighttime peak? In other words, it struck me as um, uh, a kind of capitulation to daylight. He goes to sleep not just literally, right, uh, but also in some other sense. Um, 
And he says to himself, it's probably only insomnia. In other words, he gives a medical account or account in terms of bodily necessities, right, that might reflect um, a more popular, especially the only is kind of dismissive of his nighttime condition. And the claim many must have it seems like a retreat from the insight that, uh, you know, there are two kinds of people and maybe he's actually one of the relatively rare kinds of people. The kind, uh, the bars are not, uh, I'm sorry, the cafes are not crowded at night, right? So he's kind of uh, rejoining um, and and sinking back into uh, everydayness, if I can put it that way. Does that um, seem reasonable or am I being too hard on this waiter? Well, he is he is rare, right? Because he 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 claims to have never experienced youth. Mm-hmm. You know, he's missing both youth and confidence. There's plenty of people without confidence that there's no one that has never had youth, but you know, he he can't remember it. It's not it's no longer a part of him. Uh, you know, and so I think that that would make you feel like you're something different. And then I also I, I want to kind of push back with least at least to understand a little bit more when she's speaking of nothing in terms of this last passage, because it seems like the prayer to nothing. You know, it's it says at the end he would lie in the bed and finally with daylight he would go to sleep. After all, he said to himself, "It's probably only insomnia. Many must have it." It, it, it seems like he's hoping that with the daylight he's going to sleep, but he recognizes that he's an insomniac. And that he can't sleep. And so I think that his prayer almost ties into this where he's praying for the nothingness of sleep, the the loss of consciousness, the loss of kind of knowledge of self, the now, knowledge of the existence of self. But now we're using nothing in, in several ways, which is fine. But let me just add another sentence or remind us of another sentence that might support what Jeff's saying so we could work through it. Um, maybe I'll just read the whole last paragraph. No, thank you, said the waiter and went out. He disliked bars and bodegas. A clean, well-lighted cafe was a very different thing. Now, without thinking further, he would go home to his room. He would lie in the bed, and finally, with daylight, he would go to sleep. After all, he said to himself, it's probably only insomnia. Many must have it. So Jeff's lying there, without thinking farther. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the... The nothingness that he has in the cafe, this the wakefulness, if I could put it that way, of facing the human condition and doing so with dignity, um, ceases when he goes home and tries to tries to sleep. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That 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 uh, confrontation with uh, nothingness. That's thinking. Whatever happens in his head when he says those last things to himself, that's not thinking. Right. <laughs> right. That's what your television tells you or what the radio tells you or what music makes you do. But right. it's not thinking. What do you think, Brian? Does that sound plausible? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it certainly sounds plausible. I, you know, it's just there's, this is the, the beauty of the dissecting the short story. I think we saw this in our Chekhov um, short stories as well where it's like, there's a ton of layers, but there's very little to work with as far as the actual verbiage. Um, and so I think that you can go in a, in a lot of different directions there. I just, I'm just trying to figure out like part of this is just like, uh, 
having been a recovering an insomniac, you know, many times in my life and, <laughs> and a wannabe alcoholic many times yeah. in my life. Uh, you know, I'm trying to like not personalize this too much and try to get to know these characters. I'm glad um, you brought up drinking, Brian, because <laughs> I was going to do it if you didn't do it. And plus it rhymes with thinking. Uh, I wanted to ask this uh, a little while ago, Lise um, mentioned that maybe the suicide is a red herring. And I, I'm ready to go with that, right? The, the old man doesn't report uh, having tried to commit suicide, nor do we see him try. Uh, it's hearsay. But we do see him drinking. Uh, how are we supposed to weigh that? Again, the everyday response is uh, people who drink are trying to dull their connection with the world. They're trying to retreat or hide. Alcohol's a crutch, man. Um, how, do we, how do we understand his drinking? The waiters don't want him, or at least one of the waiters doesn't want him to do much more of it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I brought that up earlier, the, the idea that he's trying to disassociate himself from the world and that, you know, I think there's something in it as far as that, the fact that he's inhabiting the border, right, that you kind of struck on this, Jeff, a little bit too, is that there's this border between the cafe and the darkness um, and that he, he's comfortable there, you know, and maybe maybe it was a, a a failed a vain attempt. It was you know just a he didn't really want to kill himself, but um, you know he'd he'd much rather be on this border between life and death than in any particular place. That life is maybe too hard for him to deal with to be in that clean and well lighted place, but the death is too much of a nothing for him to face as well. And so he's trying to inhabit some place in between and using alcohol to speed that process. Let's try a couple of interpretations and then and then judge between them. Another possibility, it could just be a red herring also, right, like the suicide. Another possibility is, um, since he's so dignified in his drunkenness, so um, it's not really the kind that makes, makes him fall into oblivion, I wonder whether it's a way for him to dampen down his senses um, so that he can f- be with the nothing um, in a manner that's similar to the way in which he wants to be out at night because the dust that swirls around in the day is settled and dampened, right? So, th- so that there's just a stillness that one could be with. I wonder whether it's more like that than escapism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. Uh, so he's watering his soul with alcohol the way the world is watered with dew to kind of settle it down. Yeah. And th- there is the, the opposing um, everyday phrase, you know, in wine, truth, in vino veritas, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe there is a sense in which you're willing, even with yourself, to think and say things when you're a little tipsy that you're not willing to think or say when you're... Uh, uh, what f- fully dominated by uh, opinions about your everyday opinions or something like that. And then if this is correct, one would have to say the suicide also isn't an act of despair or something where he's decided life isn't worth living. It might just be that he's he's old and he thinks he's had a, you know, life is properly done. The ironic comment is, uh, well, why did they cut him down? Well, because of his soul. But of course, yeah. the old old man doesn't seem to believe in a in an immortal soul. Right. That gives a terrible meaning. Right. That they they forced him to continue a life that he regards as having been completed, out of fear for something that he doesn't uh, perhaps believe in. Uh, well, we we are about at our time, guys. So 
unless you have any more parting shots, unless there's a Cleopatra cliffhanger in here that we miss, Lise. Um, <laughs> just going to keep doing a call back to that. Go back and listen to like, was it episode two? Maybe three. Um, yeah. Uh, well then that's, that's, let's call it a day guys. Thank you, uh, Jeff. Thank you, Lise. Another uh, another enjoyable episode, at least for me. Yeah, Thanks, thank guys. you, Brian and Lise. Yeah, I want to go get a cup of brandy. I don't know. How about you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I'll be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> no rush. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll tune in okay. next time. Combat and Classics. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.